Assalamualaikum and hi everyone. Welcome to our Quran journey where we explore the sacred verses of the Holy Quran through Quran tagging, Quran journaling and tarabur. Our reflections are guided by resources from various medium as well as lessons from qualified asatizas. We are also not trained nor qualified so we do not do our own tafsir of the verses. All of our discussions are based on our individual reflections which may include our experiences and references. In the next part of this series, Farah will bring us through a verse in Surah At-Tahrim, which will be the guide for today's reflection and discussion on raising a righteous family. Let's hear it for Farah. Okay, thanks Raf. Alright, Surah At-Tahrim is a Medinan surah and the surah focused on um, wives uh, as it was revealed due, due to the jealousy of the Prophet's uh, wives. Uh, in it, Allah asked the Prophet ﷺ, why has he made something unlawful which Allah has made lawful and uh, admonishes his um, wives and mentions the qualities of a good wife as well as um, examples of uh, bad examples and good examples. But today we are focusing on verse 6 uh, which reads, O you who have believed, protect yourselves and your families from a fire whose fuel is people and stones over which are appointed angels, harsh and severe. They do not disobey Allah in what he commands them, but do what they are commanded. The verse is saying that your responsibility does not end with only yourself. Uh, in making effort to save yourself from the punishment of God, one should not forget that they are also responsible in educating their family members as well so that they don't become fuel of hell. When we are blessed with children and become parents, uh, we are entrusted with care of our children and, and more beyond that. So as, uh, as one hadith in Al-Adab Al-Mufrad says, um, Ibn Umar explained the meaning of the word Al-Abrar used in the Quran. God has called them the dutiful because they fulfill their duties to their parents and their children. Just as you have a duty which you owe to your parents, so you have a duty which you owe to your child. When parents fulfill their duties in bringing up their children, the children are more likely to be dutiful when they grow up. So some of the rights that children have over parents are that the parent chooses uh, a right partner to marry. I think we've mentioned before in one of our earlier podcasts that um, like having children it begins even way before uh, marriage. That is when you um, try to find uh, the correct partner um, to raise your child with. And then the next right is a right over a good name. And then the Sunnah of Tanik Akika. Uh, teaching individual obligations and good manners and um, ensuring that you give them uh, gifts equally. Those are just some of the um, rights that I won't really go through uh, everything. And on top of all of that, they deserve to be respected and loved. I'm pretty sure it's not easy and we will be questioned in our hero over uh, these rights. Our job goes beyond making sure that the children are happy and prosperous, but to also prepare them for the hereafter. We should always refer back to how our Prophet lived his life and take examples from how he treats ch children. After all, he is the one who says, he who does not show kindness to our little ones and does not respect our elders, elders is not one of us. But the responsibility does not end there. 
we have a responsibilities also towards other family members. After all, we love them as they are our flesh and blood. The key word here is to try as much as we can. Try to correct them in the gentlest way possible if we see them doing things that will lead them to be fuel for hellfire. Gently because Allah loves gentleness and I would think doing the exact opposite would result in a fallout. It is not easy to maneuver adult relationships so we need to also rely on Allah and make dua for them. Okay, so so for me, um, I would say um, being a parent has definitely opened my eyes to my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, I I didn't, I mean, like sadly, I took light of of some things um before I became a parent. But uh, when I when I gave birth to my son back in twenty seventeen, I did a lot of thinking um while caring for him because you know infants need a lot of attention and everything. And like I decided that uh, how am I supposed to raise this child without knowing, um, like, um, Islamic knowledge? I I I had very um in other words like chitik lah my knowledge. So I I took some time, uh, to slowly build up my courage to to don the hijab and then um learn more uh Islamic knowledge. But baby, I mean I'm still learning lah. Is is definitely cannot learn everything in one go because, uh, time is off. Assets, right? So, um, yeah lah. I I would say sometimes it feels a little bit too late, cause like I didn't do all the learning before having a child. So, uh, but then again, um, it's never too late. So, um, yeah, because of that, I I, uh, started to learn so that I could teach them, uh, teach the kids some Islamic knowledge so that uh. At least this, uh, I mean, this is their right over me, right? So, um, at least I don't go into it, um, like empty-handed. And also, I used to think that parenting is just like winging it, you know, every time just macam, um, not going for classes and just uh, do it, uh, handle it as it comes. I I feel like this is only applicable to some things, but not all the time. We still need to learn how to parent and from I mean when when I say learn how to parent like you know go for uh, learn how to do the perfected parenting gentle parenting and all that and uh, I also I feel that half of parenting is also reconciling your childhood trauma if any um, like if you have unresolved issues it will definitely reflect when when you become a parent and you parent your child like um for example, why do your toddler's um, tantrums trigger you? Is it because you were told to keep quiet when you were a child? So that's just one of the examples. Lah. So it's been, um, becoming a parent has been such an eye-opener because you do a lot of reflection. Like, um, it doesn't, it, I have never really thought about it until I started re- to read all these um, parenting books and like listen to the Prophetic Parenting podcast. Like, why do I react that way? And I... Uh, want to change myself lah so yeah uh, i think um we cannot go into parenting or rather we cannot just have kids without uh, preparing ourselves uh for it like not just we lah cannot so yeah that's my reflection and yeah that's all Thanks, Farah, for the insightful sharing uh, and reflection on raising a writer's family. Um, I used to wonder if the meaning of a child's name has an impact on their character. 
I gradually came to the realization that a person may embody the characteristics of their name. So for example, if we name our child after a prophet or after Rasulullah's companions, uh, then they may actually you know, uh, embody um, those, uh, those uh, you know, uh, the person's uh, characteristics or personality. Or even if we name them after like, um, you know, the, the name has good meaning. So for example, maybe uh, the, the, the child, the name, the meaning of the child, uh, sorry, the meaning of their name uh, probably, you know, is something, you know, uh, that the name probably means uh, being helpful, you know, loves to help others and, and all that. So, you know, we, we may end up seeing our child, you know, uh, loving to help others and whatnot. Yeah, so uh, in Islam, the goals of raising children generally fall under tarbiyah. Uh, which is a concept of overseeing, supporting, and supervising children until they pass childhood. So the objectives of tarbiyah are determined by Islam. So as a Muslim, our purpose on this earth is to worship Allah. Hence, in my opinion, parenting includes teaching our children the following, getting to know Allah, loving Him, and connecting with Him. Personally, I believe that while we are in the pursuit of attaining a place in Jannah, it is also our responsibility as parents to ensure that we transmit the appropriate values and worldviews to our children and raise them to have taqwa. Thus, forging a positive bond or relationship with our children is essential in ensuring a solid foundation to impart these values. It is also important to note that we must use developmentally appropriate methods in imparting such values to our children. So, I mean, let's say if we have... Uh, uh, children, uh, preschool going children, we can't be using the same method that we use for a primary school going children or, you know, a teenager. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, uh, both parents must be on the same page when it comes to parenting and raising their family and be able to identify their parenting style in order to parent efficiently. To pass on the knowledge of our child, it is also important we equip ourselves with the knowledge. So like earlier, what Farah mentioned, uh, you know, um, she made efforts uh, to, you know, to, to learn, to, you know, to acquire herself with the knowledge of Islam, you know, in order for her to be an example to her child. So we can't possibly have our child learn something, yet we have simply no knowledge of that subject. How do we then lead by example? So Ali bin Abi Talib said, do not raise your children the way your parents raised you. They were born for a different time. As the world changes, our techniques should also be relevant with the current pace. Perhaps during our time, our parents instilled fear in us to teach about taqwa. But we know that method may be ineffective today. So when looking for a role model for the treatment of children, we can look at our beloved Prophet Muhammad wasallam. The qualities which parents should strive to attain are reflected in the various hadiths, such as the Prophet's love and attention towards children, his patience with children and others. I think for me, what I will do differently if given a chance at raising my own child is to first equip myself with the relevant Islamic and parenting knowledge and basically walk the talk. Gentle parenting is also something that I will explore in building my child's foundation in the faith. So with that, um, what, you know, for, for, for you girls, um, while teaching your children to perform acts of worship uh, is important, right? How do you inculcate a desire in your children to have an ongoing personal personal relationship with Allah. So maybe we can hear from Ain uh, what you know her opinion on this or her reflection. Uh, I agree with Farah. Uh, like I was panicking. Okay, okay, I wasn't panicking. I was. I clearly wanted a child. So 
I I went to learn how to solat. I learn how to solat hajat. Do all the type of solat to you know get my duas answered. Okay, yeah. So I think with that, right, I think I like macam make a promise that okay, ah, uh, this is a step for me to come closer to you. Ah, uh, please, ah. Uh, Give me the amanah to take care of child. And Alhamdulillah, after all the years of uh, praying and, 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 and asking from Allah, so from then, when I was looking forward to have a child, uh, I built up on and like did a crash course on how to at least be prepared lah. Take that stepping stone. Uh, like Farah uh, recommended at the point of time uh, bit more of a parenting because there's so many resources online uh, from Western, uh, Asian style and so many so it gets overwhelming. So I think just following the, the, the uh, prophet's way I think it's, <laughs> it's the safest uh, and, and, and I think for me, it, it, it was overwhelming and it scares me so much. Like, how am I supposed to take care of this? I myself am not ready to be safe from the hellfire. You know, like, I have that kind of thoughts every time. Like, now that uh, I have my own child, right, I, I really, 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 really scared lah. Like, how, how we will end up life so I think having a child really opens up your entire what's it, your entire face and how you see yourself in the hereafter yeah uh, on that note yeah I agree with, with Farah that you shouldn't stop learning and then you must keep on uh, take on classes I think that's the most important. I mean, I mean, we take on classes for for our careers, right? That is only that lasts us only for like how many twenty thirty years, but this is for our forever after. So I think these classes is really important. I think okay lah. It apart from prophetic parenting, I think uh learning the different styles and how to engage the children of the children of our time you know it's, it's so hard to manage with all this technology I think it's, it's yeah, like, like, like what Farah mentioned earlier you really have to step up and you know, make the effort to learn how to parent and I think for me as well same with Raf I, I would go for gentle parenting even though that's, that, that must be the hardest thing to do. <laughs> but I think I, I'm not the only one that sees it as challenging. Right, Merita? Gentle parenting. Eh. Yeah, uh, gentle you need parenting. a lot of willpower and patience. <laughs> uh, you're very gentle. Right? So I think it's, it comes easier for you. But I'm very sarcastic also sometimes. So I don't know whether it will rub on on my children. <laughs> 
Apa boleh jadi? Jadi you know how 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 do we not like pass this on to our children? I also wonder, like, oh, this is must be very difficult. Like how how not to be the worst how, version of ourselves? Yeah, how to not make them the worst version of you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Why? Risk it. I I think it's easier to get triggered, especially when you you know when because we were raised. You know, when you when you throw a tantrum, uh, you know you were raised with your parents scolding you and all that. So I think it's something that you will naturally want to do, but then with gentle parenting, you really need to hold back the the temptation to just lash out at your child for throwing temper tantrums, and then you know just basically you know staying calm. And oh my god, Rafi, uh, this, this reminds me of your friend Mak Temah. <laughs> your one, she tanya the... Oh, uh, yes! What is that called? Uh, X-Oil, eh? <laughs> oh, I know, because... Oh, what was the meme again? Like? What was the theme that your Mak Temah did? The, the gentle parenting thing, right? Or something like that. You don't believe in caning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah lah, I mean, just to add on that it's perfectly okay to lose it even when you're trying to practice gentle parenting because it's just, I mean, we're just human but the, the most important thing is to um, not give up and continue trying. Yes, and to not resort to uh, physical punishment lah. I yeah. think that's important because I mean, what, what do you get from hurting the child? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we I I think we always hear people saying, but we survive what? You know, being cane, you know, being beaten up, you know, being belted and all that, but at what expense? You know, we you know, we have been I think that I think some of us still live through still live with the trauma, you know, of having of experiencing the you know being cane excessively and all that. Yeah, I actually saw a tweet, right, that says um like um your, the, the mom made them finish the food uh, and like nothing happened to them like force them to finish the food and, and say that uh, the kids in Africa are suffering and all that but uh, the, the, the person just asked so how is your relationship with food right now it makes you think like what are the repercussions of the parenting of yesteryear I mean not to say that uh, we're not absolutely not blaming our parents lah. we still respect them it's just that their parenting ways are not for us at this uh, for this generation yeah, talking about generation, like I feel like it's actually a good time to be an, to be an Islamic parent right now because there are like so many resources out there. So like as you know, I send my kids to Sunday Islamic class, right? And then right now we are in the middle of this pandemic, we have online Zoom classes. So actually, while sitting beside them, I'm also learning at the same time. But then one day of class is of course not enough. Lah. So we have to like reinforce it daily. Like for example, reciting the doa while eating, while in the car, and then reading them stories about the prophets and they come in English. So like, especially for an English speaking household like mine, right? I mean, uh, I'm very thankful for those resources that we have now, which was quite, which I didn't see back, back in my days. Ah. So... For me, I feel it is more important to understand the meaning and the concepts of Islam rather than like memorizing uh, the Muqaddam, the Ikrok, the memorizing the Arabic words. Yeah. And talking about like 
uh, this all these learning materials, right? Uh, you know, like our Tajwid class, I was very surprised, you know, that the actually the learning material is suitable for, you know, for younger, you know, for younger people, for, for, for even youth, I think. So, which is something that I'm grateful for, because I think when in the past, when I learned, uh, when I learned Ikra and all that, it was really so the theoret uh, theoretical. Um, and of course, uh, very boring. So I couldn't, I couldn't uh, grasp whatever the Ustaza had to teach me. Uh, and which is also, I think the reason why it's also important that we know how to, you know, how to, uh, how to read the Quran with Tajwid so that we can also guide our children, you know, in learning the du'as at home. Yeah. Okay, so I think be before I was a parent, I, because I was brought up in a strict household, so um, what I grew up with, what I know is what I learned from my mom. But then after I had a child and hanging out with you guys, you know, um, and reading up and learning more, I realized that uh, kids, that um, the way my mom brought me up, it's too, like, I, I wouldn't, there are some things which I could take, but some which I wouldn't because it's too, it's too strict. Like, I think it wouldn't apply to kids this generation. And um, I've learned a lot that kids imitate what you do. So what I do with uh, my daughter is that I try to, for example, like when you wake up in the morning, you read your dua. When you eat, you read your dua. So I'm, it's actually a good thing because I actually, from not knowing, usually I wake up, I just wake up. I don't even read dua. So I actually learned about the um, dua when you wake up in the morning. So I've now memorized it. Yeah. So I, um, Alhamdulillah, like it's, a, it's actually a good thing that, you know, because of her, I actually try to learn all these things, try to set an example for her. Uh, yeah, because as you say, um, if you want your kids to do what you do, because they are always modeling after you, just try your best to, for example, if you're praying, let them watch you pray. Um, and like when you want them to eat, you eat together with them, like the adab and all that, you know, before you eat, you read the doa. And I'm also glad uh, and thankful that her teachers in her school, because uh, she's being looked after by like a few Muslim teachers and they actually also inculcate this like Islamic values, even though it's a secular, secular school. Yeah. And that helps. Like, uh, yeah, that helps a lot actually. Mm. On that note, how has your experience been in balancing the Dean and Dunya in raising your family? For me, I feel that it's been quite bad. I'm, I'm, like I think I'm, I'm still trying to grasping to grasp, to grasp it. Like, uh, like today, um, Farah posted, you know, um, how she was on survival mode for the first year when she had Arif. And I feel like I'm doing that and like you shouldn't be on survival mode and you should try to, you know, um, work towards reaching your goals. Uh, which I think I, I should try instead of, you know, uh, it's coming to nine months. Some days are okay, some days are hard. But I think I should really just be kind of myself because most of the time I'm solo parenting. I do get help from my mom, but 
and then the day I'm still doing most of it. Yeah, so I think it, we there's only so much we can try. I think what's important, I think like overall will also recognize your effort. Yeah, so uh, and not give up. So just make sure that you're always trying. And um, I think if you really need to take a break, just you could ask for help. But I mean, if you don't have the help, then just um take a minute, just walk away lah. When whenever you have time. You do have one challenge. Though. Don't know whether you can help me. Sometimes we will, I will ask them to pray with me lah and my husband. Right, pray, pray together. But then they will <laughs> do their own things and make a lot of noise and play in between me sometimes, which I find it really irritating and I cannot concentrate. Uh, but then again, uh, it's good to include them in our play in when we are doing our daily prayers, right? But some, somehow I feel like uh, if I can't concentrate, then what's the point? <laughs> so what do you think I should do? I'm I'm not an expert at this, but uh, so when I had my nephews pray jamaah with me and my husband, um, they try to follow lah. But yeah, as usual, they will do funny stuff, and I don't concentrate. I suppose it's um, you might not be fully there, but as long as you're doing the solat, it's still counted. I suppose because you're trying, you know, and you're teaching your kids. You try as much or. What my friend does is that because her nephews actually uh like they will do a like jamaah and then after that there was one time her nephew actually like started making like a funny joke uh, and then of course her mom also cannot solat properly and laugh 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 so what she was she solat again after that when the kids were asleep uh, so basically you go to, to do twice lah but I guess if it yeah oh. that's the thing about Dean and Dean, <laughs> I got no time to do twice. <laughs> I I think and uh you know ultimately as long as your children don't see um you know don't see these acts of worship as something um as something very I, I don't know how to put this uh, but basically like they are being forced to do uh, like and it comes from, uh, and it comes from the heart and that they, they enjoy yeah. doing it I think I'll, I mean kids being kids lah they uh, of course their attention span is short you know they will want to play while pray and all that but I think as long as they see that you know that you are forgiving of you know of what they are doing you know and you are actually also uh, encouraging them you know by including them in the solat jemaah I think somehow along the way as they mature as they I think they can understand better that you know that you know solat is not the time for them to pray that uh, you know that everyone needs to be quiet lah yeah I, I mean this is my opinion on this ah you know I used to be so irritated with kids in a mosque when they run around <laughs> and then like um I think I heard like this cerama this sharahan or something and they were saying that you know you rather have kids playing in the mosque than outside because they're day, yeah, they are playing, but they're actually watching you also. So yeah, from then on, I'm like, okay, I shall just tolerate it. <laughs> Even though it irritates me. I mean, because I've, I've been stepped on before. So I'm like, like, why can't you control your kid? You know, but yeah, lah, you have to be a parent yourself to realize that, you know, not all, not kids are not the easiest little humans to deal with. So yeah, just praying that it doesn't, you know, hit me back in my face. <laughs> Correct. I remember being scolded in masjid. 
for talking too loud and everything. Now, no makcik to scold you at all. <laughs> makcik all kena mask up. Cannot marah-marah. <laughs> oh no. That like, I hope things change. But I think bringing children to the masjid is actually a very good intro introduction to them, uh, to to Islam, letting them, uh, have a feel of what you know Islam is all about. Cuma, you know, unfortunately, we have, we have the few, you know, the few um congregants who don't like having children there, so you know they complain about the children, um, you know, playing and you know being noisy and all that. Which I think also may affect how, you know, how some children behave in the mosque. But I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, the mosque is a very good start to bring them, especially, you know, when they are babies, you bring them along. So they, you know, they will be used to listening to the azan and you, you know, bring the mosque. Okay, but anyway, bringing the conversation back to like, like, um, uh, helping your family members, um, you know, be, to avoid become the fodder for for hellfire i think uh, it does not only stop at children like i said uh, uh, we have to actively ensure that our other family members the the grown-ups uh, also um you know are protected from from hellfire law in a way we have to put in effort also to to tergo them where possible but i have to say that adult relationships are way more complicated than than our relationship with children and i think we have to do it with tact and like gentleness uh, and and i know it's really really not easy like um okay we don't talk about religion okay we talk about like uh maybe marriage okay when you want to kawin uh so many things that we don't want to do they want to do so many things that we want to do they don't want to do and uh it's, it's so uh it's not easy to be on the same page and let alone go them when when we feel that they're not doing anything right lah but I, uh, from my experience, there's only like several times that I managed to do it with my mom. But I didn't, I didn't outrightly call her out for it. But I just, I just like tell her to think like, does it relate back to Allah? And I think um, it's the best when, um, when, uh, when you make them think and not like you know spoon feed them the answer or or like. Uh, force it on them and also I, I have seen several times on like the internet mostly F, uh, Facebook lah, uh, that wives asking how to how to make um, their husband solat if like, they are not solat or how to make their husbands uh, be the imams like and I've seen answers from ustazas that you can't really force them but rather you must make dua for them and continuously macam, um, uh, uh, at first make it a habit yourself do all the five prayers yourself and then eventually when um I mean you you do also lah one day Allah will open up his heart and he will eventually do it and I think it um I think that is quite a good method lah at the end of the day because like I say lo, grown up relationships are not easy to handle. I must say this actually when it comes to even getting a spouse to to step up right in their in their worship, right? It is, it is quite, it is quite tricky. Um, but sometimes it takes a certain trigger for them to realize. So, for example, for my husband, it took uh Siti Sarah's death for him to actually um be so affected by it, and you know, and realize that you know what it takes uh, to actually to be you know to be the khalifa lah. 
So yeah, so I I to me, I always feel that we shouldn't force, but still also gentle approach, because ultimately um it is them who will you know to who will be doing the worship because I think if you know if they feel so forced by doing it and then you know they do so you know begrudgingly then also also difficult eh? like no sincere intention of doing uh, of carrying out uh, the worship uh, when it comes to family members also um, for me I think it is lucky because we are doing this podcast so somehow I slid a bit lah. I will just share with them. Hey, I got new episode. Go and listen. You know that kind of thing. So in a way, also I think it is a it, it is in a way you know spreading the dakwa to them. Um, for elders, uh, it's difficult. So I for me usually I would just uh share you know with my mom. Let's say if there's something about um her behavior that I do not like, I would just share a bit like, hey, you know ah, um the other day I read in the Quran so and so and so and so. Uh in hoping that she will actually, you know, in me, it will click in her mind uh, that I'm actually talking about, you know, referring to her behavior that, um, you know, that I don't quite like what she's doing, but um, I, I don't know whether it works, but it's difficult uh, to actually to just tell her, you know, that your behavior is, you know, unbecoming of, you know, who you are uh, in, in that sense, yeah. So I agree with Farah, with adults, um, you have to balance between wanting to go them, wanting to, I won't say review, wanting to advise them, and at the same time also trying to maintain, trying to preserve the relationship that you already have with them. Yeah, we will learn. Uh, we, will, we will find better ways to do this. I think for like older people, right? Um, because they, especially our parents' generation, uh, they, they, they like, they're always right. So it's very difficult. So for me, I think well, for my mom, sometimes I, I there were like once I blasted off, which I never do. So I, I really feel bad about it because you know you're you're not even supposed to like uh what's the word for it? Like you're not even supposed to raise a little bit of your voice to your mom, to your parents. But I think that one fine day I really couldn't take it. So I just blasted off. And then like I when she wanted to like on other um occasions after that, when she wanted to scold me, she was a bit more tactful. I think for some people, you just need to blast one time, not for the bad intentions, but you, I, you just need to tell them your true feelings. Uh. unfortunately, sometimes it has to be a bit of a raised voice because you know they they won't hear you out if you tell them nicely. That's for me lah. But I I I hope not to do it again because I felt so bad after that. But yeah, I think we're all still learning. Uh, so, and I, I just hope it doesn't come back in my face, you know, when my child grows up. Okay, so that's it for this week's discussion. If you'd like to catch up on the other parts of this series, check out our previous two episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like our content, don't forget to subscribe to our Quran Journey on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We are on Instagram as well, same handle, where we share our Quran journaling, mini book reviews, and others. Till then, stay safe, be positive, and test negative. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum.